Hello, and welcome once again to 177 Nations of Tasmania podcast. One of the trends I've noticed in researching for this podcast has been the growing number of Latin Americans who've been settling in Tasmania in the past few years. And for this episode, I'm talking with Diana, who's from a country I actually did not expect to encounter, Honduras. And for those who don't know, Honduras is a relatively small country, though a bit bigger than Tasmania, located in Central America. Um, But it does have a few things in common with Tasmania, which you will hear more about. And it's always interesting for me to talk with someone from a, let's call it a more obscure country, as it's always exciting to uncover new worlds and perspectives, if I can put it that way. Diana also had a very interesting introduction to Tasmania, getting her first job at a bottle shop, which was to her surprise an essential service during the pandemic and gave her a unique opportunity to learn some surprising things about Tasmania's culture and people and to come in contact with a wide range of the community. And although English is widely spoken in Honduras, it did not prepare Diana for Tasmanian English. And that's an experience I'm sure a lot of migrants will probably relate to. Uh, Well, my name is Diana. I am currently working as a senior settlement officer in a migrant resource center in Tasmania. I come from Honduras. Honduras is a very small country located exactly in the middle of the whole continent of America. So it's located in Central America. And it's also surrounded by the Caribbean um, Sea that makes it very warm and very nice. So I've been here for almost two years and eight months. Mm -hmm. And we came to Tasmania with my husband together. Uh, We came because we were looking for an adventure. We wanted to to go and look for something different. My husband, he used to be a pediatrician in Honduras. He is now doing all the paperwork for to become a, a doctor here. And we came because we had like the whole the whole world of options. And but we were looking for because of his career, he wanted to go to an English speaking country okay. where he could uh, improve and he can, he could use all his skills to to help others, but he could also have all the advantages of very modern technology okay. and things like that that mm-hmm. we don't have at home. We have good doctors, we have good things in Honduras, but we don't have that much money as other countries. So we were looking for something like that, and we thought because he had also been practicing English at home. We thought that uh, we should go to a different English-speaking country. The normal option is U.S. or Canada, but we were really looking for an adventure. Okay. And we don't have almost any information of Australia back home. We just know that there are many spiders, (laughs) many snakes, and they are deadly and you might not survive that's what we know okay (laughs) which is not true let me tell you actually i've never heard of anyone being poisoned by a spider or a snake in my whole life i'm sure i mean i know it happens but it's definitely i think it's exaggerated i totally agree uh it's very exaggerated but it's hard to believe that it's exaggerated as well (laughs) because 
you see so many things here. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, remember, well, everything here like is kind of like extreme. Even the weather, she's like, or is very very cold, or the sun rays will burn your skin, and mm-hmm. you will have blisters. Yeah, like it, everything is really extreme. Is amazingly beautiful and it has been an amazing opportunity so back to the reason where why we came to to Tasmania so we were looking at options of countries and of places I lived in France before mm-hmm. so I speak French and that was kind of like a thought that crossed my mind But then we don't have that much information and we don't have that much relation with the language, with the language, with the French language. Okay. In Honduras, we, we speak a lot of English and we see like a lot of sitcoms that are in English and things like that. So it was going to be a lot easier to, come, to go to a, an English speaking country. Okay. So we decided to come here. So we contacted a lawyer that that's a very different story, but it's crazy as well because we just didn't know what to do we just contact somebody online who could have been a scammer we, it was the best lawyer but we were just like so scared at the end of the process he dis- he asked us uh, where would you like to go because with all your qualifications and things like that you have different options mm. uh, one of the options was northern territory darwin and another option was tasmania Wow, those two, those are very different places. Exactly. <laughs> so I asked my husband because I thought, well, maybe he wants to do a little bit more research about the places and see where, are, where he would be able to find more opportunities to, for his specialty and for his profession. And we asked also the lawyer, where did he think that we could be more successful in that sense? And he told us that maybe Tasmania would have more opportunities for both of us. Okay. And then my husband also decided Tasmania because we live, as I told you before, like in near the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And we have kind of like one season the whole year. Yeah. So it's hot and very hot. So he was like, oh, this is our chance. We have the opportunity finally to have like the four seasons of the year. Mm-hmm. Little did we know that we were going to have... Four seasons in one day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that was very crazy. Yeah, that's probably the thing that people don't quite expect about Tasmania. Yes. So when I came here, the only thing I could remember was a cartoon called the Tasmanian Devil. Yeah. Remember? So in Spanish, it says exactly, it describes amazingly well what Tasmania is. Like, it's a land without borders, with a weather that is so crazy. And it says like so many things that are so true. And I was like, oh my God, this is where they get it from. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And did you know anything else about Tasmania before you came here? Like, did you do much research? Well, it was kind of, hard to find information so we we did we did some research and we went through all the government websites mm-hmm. and we saw that for example uh, there's a big cheese production wine production 
which was very interesting. <laughs> so I think I kind of went that way as well. It was like, oh, sounds, sounds like a good place to go <laughs> when I realized that. So other than that, I think that we saw many things like we saw that there were beautiful landscape scenarios and a lot of nature but i came from from a country that is very like it has amazing landscapes as well mm. so it was like i don't know it didn't sound like something that i didn't have before and it was impressive that it was so tasmania is almost half of the size of honduras and it has just like half of the population of the capital city of Honduras. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh my God, how in that amount of land can live so little people, like so less? Well, the, the irony is that Tasmania is actually the most densely populated state of Australia because so, the others are so big. Yeah, then I realized that because we started like looking up information of everywhere. Like, yeah, Australia is just something so different tell me about where you were brought up what where was it and what kind of environment did you grow up in wow uh so i grew up in the capital city of honduras and so in honduras is very interesting because we have like a mixed culture mm -hmm. with United States. Okay. So you mean it's heavily influenced by the US? Almost like a colony. Yes, it's heavily influenced, like a lot. For example, I studied in a school where I learned most of the time in English. So I had two classes in Spanish and then I had like six or eight in English in one day. Right. So most of the time we spoke English. Our teachers were from United States or Canada. And some were Honduran as well, but they grew up like in the same environment. Uh, we celebrate, my traditions are all the US traditions. Mm. So I'm aware of Thanksgiving, I'm aware of Halloween, Valentine's Day, everything that has to do with US, I know. Even the Groundhog Day. Okay. <laughs> Even that, like... <laughs> and we celebrated as well some of the Honduran traditions or festive days. Mm -hmm. But we didn't celebrate the same as the other schools, the school, because we have some schools that are just in Spanish mm -hmm. and some schools that are bilingual. And they celebrated very important dates that were during our holidays, our school holidays. So we, even that, we don't have like, it's very like mixed. And also I grew up in a, in a house that is close to a um, sports center where we had like the Central American games at some point and all sports happen there and so my sister for example she is uh my both of my sisters i'm really bad at sports but they they're my pride they do sports for me 
I just okay. watch them and I support them and that's how I do sports. Yeah, okay. <laughs> At school or, or when you were young, did you have any kind of dream or ambition about, or idea that what you might do in the future? I wanted to work in the United Nations when I was in school. Okay. And then I worked. And then I needed something else. And then I wanted to go to another country. Okay. Just to have an adventure. And I went to France. And when I came back... I wanted to go to a different continent, and here I am. Yeah, so you've kind of, you've kind of fulfilled your dream. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know where I wanted to go. I thought like Africa, but I was not quite sure. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, there's not a lot of information about Australia. Maybe I should go to Australia. Mm-hmm. And then we started looking up information with my husband about Australia. And everybody, I think everybody at home thought that we were crazy. Mm-hmm. My grandma was pretty sure that I was crazy. <laughs> like, she she still is. She, <laughs> she, every time that we talk, she's like, oh, but you already, you have already been there for one year. When are you coming back? And I was like, yeah, I can't. The borders are closed. Mm. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> so when are you going? You're, when are you coming back? Because you already have spent enough time there. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't know. She follows the... I have no idea, but she is the only one. She has no internet. She has no cell phone. She has nothing. And she is the only one that every time that I talk to her, she can tell me what's going on in Queensland. Yeah, right. <laughs> She's like, remember the, the floods? The... Oh, yeah, yeah. We didn't have them here. It was very sunny actually here. She was like, oh my God, are you okay? Because I saw <laughs> that it's raining very heavily. And I was like... No, it's not. And then I realized that it was very bad in Queensland. But after she told me, oh my God, she's following the Queensland news. I don't know how. So that's exactly what happens and still happening with her all the time. And she's the only one. Like my mom, she doesn't really know what's happening in Australia. But my grandma, she knows. And she calls my mom. She's like, oh, how's Diana? How's she doing? Do you know that this is happening in Australia? And my mom is like, no, that's not true. And my grandma is certain that it's true. And then when we talk, he's like, yeah, it's true. It's happening, but not here. Yeah. And I think sometimes people don't always have a conception of just how big Australia is. Yes. And how far away Tasmania is from... uh, Everywhere. Everywhere else. (laughs) Yeah, everywhere. I went to the end of the world. You know, mm-hmm. Crockle, Crockle Creek. Crockle Creek. Uh, oh, the bottom. Yeah, like at um, yeah, Crockle Creek is it? So I went to, I went there, and I sent the location to my family. Mm-hmm. And my my father was like immediately, like I got the, the phone call immediately, like Diana, I don't think you should be there. I think that is dangerous. You shouldn't be there. I think you should go back home. And I was like, not gonna happen. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> because it looks very scary but no it's not it's not it's no, not scary it's, it's everybody should go it's very nice it's yeah. one of the best places that I've been in the environment where you grew up were you did you have it sounds like you might have had quite a lot of family around living there yeah so Honduras is a place where 
we grew up most of us grew up together like mm-hmm. my family my neighborhood so we were all kind of very close friends and with my family i grew up mostly with my mom's family mm-hmm. uh, so my cousins um my aunt my grandma we all have a very close relationship and with my father's family we every year so we're quite a few that we have our birthdays in the same month in september we're 17 so every year we gather together and we Mm -hmm. sell we make like one big celebration for 17 people 50 because remember that 17 of us but then melvin like with like my husband my other siblings that are not born in september so they come along to the celebration so Uh it's about 50 we've been up to 50 people but it's for 17 birthdays at the one time yeah gotcha so yes we are very close kind of and we love to spend time together because it seemed to me one of the that in in some of the latin american countries that families are quite close and they're quite important part of your life whereas here families are a little bit more not quite as connected i guess yes so it's very hard to make the decision to leave Mm -hmm. because you think of you you think about your family you think about your relationship with your family and your friends and you're all close like because your friends have been there for you and with you for your whole life as well Mm -hmm. so my best friend she went to the same school as me so we've been friends for like more than 30 years okay yeah and so does like the extended extended family play a role you know quite a role in your life i think they play an important role in my life Mm -hmm. we've we're always like trying to make decisions together we're always trying to help each other and we care a lot about each other mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So I think yes. When you leave school in Honduras, you go straight away to the university. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I did. And then when I left the university and I didn't know what to do, I started studying again French <laughs> and then I went to France to teach so I was a kind of Spanish teacher assistant and then I came back I work in development in the mountains of Honduras mm-hmm. and then I came back and continued studying and then I came here and I keep studying okay. <laughs> I'm still studying <laughs> Uh, you just made me think of something else, mentioning the mountains, because one thing I read about Honduras, which is a little bit similar with Tasmania, is it's quite a mountainous country. Yes, yes. Yeah. It has very, very beautiful mountains. Um, and we, um, I think we have like, let me think, four very big ba- valleys and then some small ones. And then most of the, of the territories, mountains. Yeah, yeah, that's what I sort of what I read, I think, and it's also a, a, even though it's a fairly small country, there's quite a, a lot of biodiversity 
and um, in different regions. Region, yeah, regions of there's, there's mangroves and there's sort of um, forests. Yes, a lot of forests, and yeah. some of that forest is like virgin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it has it's very wild. It hasn't been explored, and so it's it's quite an important part of of the development area because it's very different to grow food in a valley that in the in a mountain that is really really steep and is a country that depends a lot on agriculture. I, I'd read that also, and the one thing I knew about Honduras that I sort of remembered was that that's the the term banana republic comes um, i think was from honduras because that's where the united fruit company produced a lot of bananas yes and it was, so and it's it was the main part of the economy is the number one product of export i think still and it has been since forever mm-hmm. and honduras is where the name comes from and it's because of that and so i mean that shows that that fruit production has traditionally been a really big, important part of the um, economy there, and people's livelihood. All the agriculture yeah. is very important because Honduras produces enough food to feed their own population. Unfortunately, we export a lot, yeah. but at least I think most of the population knows how to produce their own food, except people from the city. Yeah. That go to the supermarket. And most, I think uh, if I remember reading rightly, that most people uh, in Honduras live more in regional, also rural areas, or live off, live on the land rather than the city. Yes, so that's why agriculture is very important because most of the people, like, even if they they have a very small area where they live, they still grow their own things in their own garden and things like that. They always produce. What were your first impressions when you arrived? That's an interesting question because my experience, I think, was kind of... When I came, first of all, I didn't understand anything. Like, the the accent was so strong for me. Okay. It was so impressive because in Honduras we speak a lot of English. Yep. And we... For example, half of the cinema movies are in English and half in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of interaction with the, with the language. But when I came, it was like just a different planet. <laughs> <laughs> it was so strange. And so I, we came here. We started looking for a place to live. We started looking for a job. I found a job mm-hmm. in a bottle shop. And... My boss was French. I had some colleagues from different countries. They were like raised, they grew up in Tasmania. But some of them, like I had a colleague from from China that she came here at the same time that that I arrived. And the others were, they had been here for a long time Mm -hmm. or they were born here. So it was a very interesting environment because I didn't get to interact with the Australian culture straight away, mm-hmm. like all or all together, you know what I mean? So, and I found a job just one week after we arrived. So I didn't have that chance. And then I was always busy at, at work and trying to do and trying to settle 
down and getting all the things done because we came straight from Honduras to Tasmania. So we mm. didn't go to anywhere else. Yeah. And I still don't know any other place of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> so all the stories about, uh, so all the stories that we can see in the news or things like that, they're still hard to believe for me. <laughs> <laughs> they're still just on the news. Working at the bowl shop though, but did, what about the customers? Were they mostly, I just thought they were mostly locals? Yes. And I think that it was an amazing job to have to start because I didn't understand a word that they said. <laughs> I had always a colleague with me that could translate whatever they were saying to tell me exactly what they wanted. And it was like, you know, I think that if I would have worked in a different area or field or industry, they would have gotten like mad and me for not understanding mm -hmm. but i was just in a safe place where i could just like say like what <laughs> sorry i'll just get someone for you and they will be able to help you yeah because i would imagine that could be quite a challenging place because you get people who would maybe not speak that clearly and you get people with very strong uh more kind of working class accents which can be yeah, it would be really challenging for a foreigner, I think. Yes, but if you think in a different way, you really don't want to put a fight with the person that is going to provide you alcohol. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a good point. So they were really nice with me. Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, it's all right. Take your time. Just get someone that we understand. <laughs> So I think that was the good part of working in a bottle shop. Like everybody was very nice with me for one reason or the other. I guess also after a while, I mean, there's only so many things that people can ask you for in a bottle shop. Thing. Yes, true. So that was a really good start because my conversation was not so wide or... And when I started like picking up the accent, I could actually talk to people in like of different topics and you find so many different kind of customers and some of them are, they just talk to you about everything, mm -hmm. even of something that happened in their life so random that you're like, oh, <laughs> right. Oh, so happy for you. <laughs> and you just don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's different than, for example, if you work in hospitality. Yeah. Because you just order your food you want your food nobody's going to talk to you maybe they're going to say hi how are you have you been long time to see something like that i don't know but in the bottle shop they see you sometimes you have regular customers they see you very often yeah and they just feel that they know you or you know them and you just start talking and it's nice it's nice it's, yeah. it's a nice way to start i think yeah and it's an interesting way to get to have a little bit of an insight into how people here are, I guess. Yes, it was like it was really important for me to understand the culture mm -hmm. uh, because you see every type of person in a bottle shop, like every type. So, and I got the chance to ask my my colleagues, my team members, like, so how did that happen, mm -hmm. or what just happened, or things like that, or you know, and I I got the chance to ask different things that don't happen in my country for example i remember a lady that came and wanted a bottle of champagne mm -hmm. 
for the wake of her grandma or something like that. Okay. And I was surprised because that would never happen in my country. You would never toast for that reason or for that person in that case. So that that gave me that gave me the chance to ask my colleagues like, "Oh, so what's the cultural tradition of person that just this they just died?" gave me the opportunity to to mm. just ask a little bit more yeah. about about cultural aspects like that what would be the the normal custom in Honduras then so for example if somebody dies in Honduras you prepare the per, the person or the body mm-hmm. and you keep company to them for 24 to 48 hours without leaving them so you have to be there the whole the whole 48 hours somebody most most of the time they are around at least 10 people with them like all the family like in my case for example would be like all my my parents my sisters my husband and the family of my husband um if somebody of my family dies okay and then after that we celebrate a, a mess and then while the people are in the in the wake of the person of the deceased person we would have food and coffee and biscuits that led me to a lot of different questions to mm-hmm. my colleagues so my colleagues were always like keen to answer and they were always curious if i had another question because that was like kind of like a, a fun moment to have the work so there there she comes with another weird question <laughs> <laughs> that we will have to think about some were grammar questions some were like cultural questions and i was always asking them things the other thing that that was interesting for me in a bottle shop was the responsible service of alcohol like mm-hmm. that doesn't happen in my country okay because you can sell alcohol in in every business. So if you have a convenience store or something like that, you just go and purchase a beer or whatever you want to drink. Yep. We don't have like specialty stores just to sell alcohol where you have you need to have a license and even the people inside the bottle shop needs to have a license to sell alcohol. That was interesting as well because that was like kind of like the first thing that I did. Uh, and when I went and asked for the job, I was like, uh, oh, I w- want to work here. And they asked me, oh, do you have an RSA? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, do you have an RSA? I don't, but I'm sure that I can get it. <laughs> and my manager was like, oh, great. Yeah. So after the interview, I was like, so how do I get the RSA? <laughs> Because I, I have no idea what that is. Do Hondurans have a similar relationship to alcohol as Australians? If I can put, <laughs> put it that way. No, we don't. And I want to say that in Latin America, the relationship with alcohol is very different than in Australia in general. But especially in Honduras, is like that's what I can talk about. We can... No, we see alcohol in a very different way. Mm-hmm. For example, my sister, she didn't have like not even a glass of wine 
during the whole lockdown in 2020 and she was literally without leaving her house for like six months so she couldn't go out at all because there was a full lockdown not full lockdown like in Australia where you can go to work there was a full lockdown that you cannot leave your house right. at all not even for exercise or anything like that not even to go to the shop no no wow. yeah, so cool. the shops were open but you can you could order only order food online mm-hmm. or you could you had one day where one member of your family could go to the shop okay yeah so that was pretty normal for us like nobody would be surprised about that at home but here it was different there was panic buying in the bottle shop oh for yeah like, <laughs> oh my god that was so crazy i saw pictures of that and the people were buying pallets of beer for wow. a three-day lockdown wow like not not in this one but in the previous one in 2020 and i wonder if they drank it and survived you know <laughs> like it's just like how did they like i cannot i cannot understand because we don't have that relationship with alcohol as you call it yeah like it's just not, not gonna happen no for me i had it was the opposite because I only drink when I socialize. I wasn't socializing, so I stopped drinking almost entirely. In 2020, I don't think I had from this March till, it was probably sometime I said I didn't drink at all. Exactly, that's what. That's how people handle it at home. Okay. Like, they just... It's much more, much more healthy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, yes. And then here is just the opposite, and people were like, oh, thank God that I stocked up on on <laughs> wine because i couldn't have done it without it and i was like oh yeah okay <laughs> it was interesting yeah it would have been an interesting time to work in a bottle shop it was you could see many crazy things and people were buying like really expensive things as well right like i think people maybe they thought they were going to die <laughs> it sounds like yeah it's like end of the world yeah, end of the world panic buying. Like, okay, so I'm going to spend all my savings in this bottle because <laughs> this is the only thing that I can take with me. So I worked at the bottle shop for about two years. Yes, I worked two years because um, I started working there. I was trying to settle down here in Tasmania. Uh, my husband was looking for a job in kind of in the hospital where he could also get related and uh, to the medical terms and how the health system works and things like that. So the priority was for him to find a spot in the health area. So I was working there in the meantime and then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, bottle shops were an essential service yeah strangely enough yes so (laughs) i was very surprised when it was in the top of the list i I thought that was it was a bit questionable too but i have different priorities maybe (laughs) well i had that priority i wanted the bottle shop to be in that part of the list (laughs) to be honest by the time that covid hit i was working full-time 
mm-hmm. in the bottle shop and everybody else was struggling to find a job. So I worked there through almost all the pandemic that hasn't finished yet. And then last year I started working in the Migrant Resource Center. So how did you, uh, how did that job come about? So I have been trying to get my skills adapted to the Australian context mm-hmm. in very weird ways. Okay. Because I used to work in community development at home. Okay. I used to work with NGOs and helping people and kind of like what I'm doing now. I'm really passionate about that. And when I came here, I just like looked at the opportunities that I might have. And I thought that the best chance to upgrade my skills and do something different was doing something totally different. And I started working training and assessment. Working, no, studying. And I started also upgrading my skills as an interpreter in English and Spanish. Yeah. So I got that from the University of Melbourne, the RMIT. And I'm finishing my training in TAFE for training and assessment. And I thought that that was going to be useful to find this job, but I was always like keen in looking for opportunities on how to work in development and especially with the migrant community Mm -hmm. because I'm always passionate to help, but I also want to help the ones that are around me. Yeah. And I want us to have all the opportunities and take advantage of or profit for the opportunities that Australia has to offer. So I was always like following them in different social media. And then a job position came up. And when I read it, I was like, oh, this sounds like a good opportunity. And I gave it to my husband. And my husband was like, oh my God, this is a description of yourself. (laughs) I think this has like your name written all over. <laughs> I think you should apply. And I was like, yes, I think I should apply as well. And because it's a different system of application here as well, I didn't have, I have no idea how the system is so different here, at least in Tasmania, than in every other country. Like, I think... I could only do it because I had support of my husband and of another good friend of mine. She helped me with the interview process, like she trained me for the interview and my husband, he spent like a lot of time in the library to get his his position at the hospital. He studied like the whole application process. And he was always checking my application. He was just checking my resume. And it was like we were working together. And then with my friend, we worked together as well. It's just so different. You, you just need to know that you need to change your mindset if you want to find something. Mm-hmm.